You're listening to Faith That Works, a podcast ministry of Faith Community Church, Indianapolis, Indiana. This is Pastor Steve Nanny, and I'm so glad that you've tuned in to listen to the series that we're in right now on Sunday mornings called I Know You, a study of the seven churches in the book of Revelation. John, with a vision from the Lord and words from Jesus Christ himself, wrote down messages to seven churches that existed in Asia Minor, which is now modern-day Turkey. This letter is full of advice, encouragement, wisdom that we can take lessons from in our churches today. We hope that you'll listen. Stay tuned to the end for more information about our church. Thanks for listening. Revelation chapter 3. Amen. Amen. I like that. I like that. (laughs) Revelation chapter 3. We love the Bible in this place. Can I get an amen right there? We love the Bible in this place. It's our hope. It's our source of strength. It's It's God's book to us. Revelation chapter 3. We're beginning in verse 14. Seven weeks, seven churches. This is week seven. It's hard to believe. This has flown by. And the fact that God's done this at this right after this spiritual warfare series and what God's doing in this place, it's important. It's good to look into the mirror of all these churches so we can compare what God is looking for, what God's expecting. These are seven real churches that existed in Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey, in the time that Jesus wrote a letter through John, who's exiled on the island of Patmos, and got him this information to the churches so the churches could be encouraged, they could be edified, they can be straightened up, right? You're like, wait a minute, not a lot of encouragement in these. There's been some now, but it's a whole lot of lining up, amen, right? Hey, if you came to church to feel good about yourself, you might have come to the wrong church, amen? I'm just saying, we're not, uh, we're, we're here to help you line up with God and, you know, Somebody just recently, people always say, Pastor, you just, you, you just step on my toes like every Sunday. And I'm like, well, then you got to do something about your toes. <laughs> it's your toes is the problem, not me. Right? <laughs> Amen. Revelation chapter 3, verse 14. Aren't you glad to be in church today? This is the, probably the church, the most well-known church of all seven, because everybody knows about the lukewarm church, Right? And that's what we're talking about, the church of Laodicea. Look at your neighbor and say, Laodicea. Kind of good. Verse 14, and to the angel of the church and Laodicea write, the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works. You're neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you, to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen 
and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love, listen, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and, say it with me, repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him. That's appropriate today. And he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So let's review just for a minute. We've got a map of the seven churches. I want to show you that real quick. So that gives you an idea. That is modern day Turkey right there. And so you get an idea of all seven churches. We started with Ephesus and we kind of did a semicircle, a horseshoe all the way around. You can see Istanbul up at the top, Patmos at the bottom. That's where he is. And the letter is distributed. Now remember some of these lessons. We talked about in week one how Ephesus was don't lose the revelation of God's love, right? Protos agape. Don't forget how much God loves you and has given his love for you. Smyrna, Jesus said to stay faithful under attack when the heat basically gets turned up. Stay faithful. Pergamum, he told them to don't compromise. That's that motor oil church. We've got to be careful, right? No compromise. Thyatira was the don't tolerate. Remember, don't tolerate that Jezebel. Don't let that division come into the church. Don't let it happen. Sardis, he told them to wake up your sleep. Philadelphia last week, he told them that in uncertainty, I will make you a pillar. Remember, that was, the, that was the earthquake church. And in the middle of these uncertain times, Jesus said, I will be your pillar in the middle of that. And now we hear our Laodicea in the lukewarm church. Now, but here's the thing. I want to show you something. Go to that next picture, Mike. I want to show you something real here. Now, there's Laodicea in the bottom left-hand corner. If you see that, say amen. amen. This is where it sat, right here in the valley at the bottom of that mountain. And there's that little river called the Lycus River. Now, this is how cool Jesus is because we've read this. Most of you, how many of you have read this story before? You've heard about the Laodicea church. You've heard about the lukewarm church. Most people don't realize that Laodicea had a water problem. So he's, Jesus is using their everyday issue to connect their spiritual issue. See, if you look up there at the top, Heropolis, they had hot water springs. Hot water was not a problem for them. At the bottom, Colossae. Now, Colossae is the same letter that Paul wrote to the Colossians. That's that church, Colossae. They're down there. They had plenty of cold water. And so go to the next picture, Mike, if you would. And so Laodicea had no water, so aqueducts, you've heard that term before, you remember that? They used aqueducts to bring the water in. And by the time the water got to Laodicea, it was no good for anything. Wasn't hot, wasn't cold. What, what, how many of you like lukewarm coffee? You know, I'll tell you my, some of you wonder why I don't drink coffee on Sundays. And I should reveal to you my childhood trauma. <laughs> I was but a child. And my, my mom wanted us to, my mom and dad was like, you know, they were, very, they were very conscientious and careful about how much soda we drank, right? That's still kind of a thing for me. I like 
you know, just everybody's got their thing. Mine's kind of sewed a little bit. I have to be careful. I have to, be, I have to monitor that. And so we would take a coffee cup and pour just a little bit of, you know, from Carolina, you, you drink Pepsi, right? Everybody in Carolina drinks Pepsi. Pour a little Pepsi in a coffee cup, just a little bit because you don't want to drink too much. So it would be just a little, little Pepsi in a coffee cup, and that's enough, and we're moving on. So when I was, a, it was one morning, I can't remember what day of the week it was, but I picked up a coffee cup. I said, oh, somebody left some Pepsi in a, in a cup. I'll go ahead and finish that off. I don't know who did that. And so I drank the whole thing. And when it's about halfway down, it's cold, black. My parents drank it black, right? So this is like two-day-old black coffee running down my throat. And I'm out. I'm done. My coffee, that was it. I can't. And even now, sometimes, you know, somebody say, oh, this doesn't have much coffee taste to it. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. My taste buds have been scarred forever, right? Because of that cold black coffee, right? How many of you, when you're really hot, let's say it's summertime, you've been, um, you, you, you've been cutting grass, you're really hot and thirsty, and you go in the house and you microwave you a nice cup of water. <laughs> Give me some hot water to wash down at the end of cutting grass. That sounds wonderful. Or a nice cup of, you, you know, and so it doesn't make sense, right? And so I want us to not focus so much on the hot or the cold as much as find your purpose. Lukewarm water has no purpose. It doesn't have any real meaning. You either want it cold or you want it hot. That's what Jesus said. I wish you were one or the other. But this lukewarm stuff is for the birds. Can I tell you something today? There's a lot of half-hearted Christians, a lot of lukewarm Christians, just enough Jesus to not go to hell, but not enough Jesus to really make a difference. Right? We, we want just enough to stay out of trouble, which brings me to the question, do they even really have Jesus? But we get in that. That's a whole other discussion. We'll talk about that at lunch when I have my second plate. Y'all come talk to me about that. We'll talk about that. Right? So you understand? We got, we got to make sure we understand that Jesus can't use half-baked, half-hearted, lukewarm Christians. He wishes that you were hot, that cup of coffee, or cold that quenches that thirst at the end of a hot day. Water has a purpose, and it's best served either hot or cold, but lukewarm, not much. And so can I tell you, I even thought of this this week. This thing, this reminds me of a we have what I call a Judas mindset. I'm around Jesus. I've got a job for Jesus. I'm walking with the 12, but I'm full of the devil. You hear that? I know Jesus. I know what Jesus teaches. I know what Jesus expects. I've got a position. I'm the treasurer of the 12. I keep the books. The money bag's in my pocket. I got this thing figured out. But in the crunch time, in the moment when Jesus needed someone who's either hot or cold, Judas, lukewarm, could not stand. And see, here's what I'm trying to get at, church, today. We have got to stop being half-hearted, half-baked, halfway in. I got one foot in, one foot out. You think about this. If there's a line, for some reason... 
We feel like that our goal is to get as close to the line of a fence as possible without crossing over. You ever have a child and you told them, don't, don't touch the tablet? And then they go, I'm not touching. Not touching. Now that kid needs to be beat. I'm just saying. <laughs> I don't, I, I, that's a terrible way of saying that. That's something terrible. Spare the rod, spoil the child. That's the Bible. That's all I'm saying. But anyway, but I'm, but I'm saying, when, and, and can I tell you, when you as a Christian are thinking, what can I get by with? You need to be beat. Right? In fact, J Jesus said he'll do it. You said, what? Verse 19, those who I love, I reprove and discipline. Sometimes, the Lord has to take, we called it the woodshed growing up, right? Sometimes my, my, my parents would say, you need a prayer meeting. There was no prayer in this meeting. My parents said, we're going for a prayer meeting. Who's praying? This is a painful prayer meeting, right? And so God sometimes has to discipline us to get our attention. So, but here's the thing. So here's two problems in the churches that we have to be careful of. We have to be careful from two things real quick. Indifference and compromise. Indifference and compromise. Both of these things can really hurt the church and hurt you as a Christian. Let's talk about indifference. Indifference is, it's, just, it's okay. It don't matter. Like my attitude maybe about this week or church or maybe on Sunday morning. I'll get up. If I, if I make it, I make it. If I don't, I don't. That's indifference. Indifference is whatever. I mean, we want to see people saved, but I don't want it to cost me too much. Right? I, some of you today, you're like, I want to achieve this skill. I want this discipline. I want to lose this weight, but I ain't giving up little Debbie's. I mean, I ain't doing that. That's what's cake rolls not going anywhere. But I'm asking God to help me. Lose weight. You're just indifferent. You really don't care. You act like you care. You, you're talking the talk. You hear me? But you're not walking the walk. A lot of people bring their Bibles to church on Sunday because that's the last time they picked it up was last Sunday. Now you say, now pastor, you should just go ahead and stop. I want to eat. You're going to give me indigestion today if you keep preaching like this. And I ain't even eat yet. Right? But I'm telling you, we need to carefully consider that we don't mock the blood of Jesus, that we don't half-heartedly take what Jesus has done for us and then go and think we can do our own thing and live our own way. Can I tell you, God has an expectation for you, and that is to live holy and to live righteous and to go all in, all in. Are you hearing me this morning? All in. We need a group of people. God is looking for a church who will not jump off and stand back and watch everybody, but he'll, they'll jump in and go all in and not have indifference. And then the other thing the church is struck. So we, we got a whole lot of people that are just in the church today claiming to be Christians, but they're just indifferent. Or you've got the compromise bunch. Well, that's okay. I mean, that always, you, you know, you, something, I'm, I'm beginning to believe if people call you old-fashioned, that's a good thing. Is that okay? You know, is anybody else in the world just because you've got a moral compass about you feeling like a dinosaur you know when you tell people what what do you do i just do what the bible says <laughs> so old-fashioned so old i still walk on two feet that's old-fashioned too 
nothing wrong with that. I still put clothes on. That's old-fashioned, but still do. You understand? Well, if it's the right way, we just got to do the right thing, and we can't compromise. We can't bend. So Jesus says, because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, because you just you don't have a good way about you, you neither. You're not hot. You're not cold. You have no fervor. You have no, you have no purpose. You're just kind of lukewarm. I can't do anything with you. I'll spit you. That literally means vomit you out of my mouth. But here's the thing. So here's what you need to know about the Laodiceans is they're very wealthy people. Very wealthy people. Now watch this. So now here's the thing. How many of you understand blessings can cause blindness? Let me say that again so you let that sink in. Blessings can cause blindness. If you're too blessed, you won't see that you need God. See, what we need is to get back to a desperation is that, God, I desperately need you. God, I need you tomorrow. And a lot of us, to be honest with you, we're just comfortable. We're just comfortable. And, and we're just lukewarm. And we're just comfortable. And we're not too far one way or too far the other. We're just comfortable. We're just casual about our faith. And I'm telling you, we're living in a day and a time, and it's going to get ramped up more, that God needs his people to be hot. God needs a people who will be hot, who will be full of fervor for his kingdom, and that they can be used. Then people who say, so the Laodiceans say, I'm rich. Here's what they said in verse 17. I'm rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing. So one of the reasons they were so rich, let me see if I can explain this. I was going to say, this is a good place to put this. So when the water arrived through the aqueducts, right? It's not hot, it's not cold, it's lukewarm. But the mineral content would be so high in this water by the time it got to town that it was unfit for drinking. And so what they would still do, though, is they would allow the sheep to drink the mineral-rich water. And so guess what would happen? The sheep would grow literally purple and black wool. The wool on the sheep was a mix of purple and black. It wasn't traditional white. It was purple and black because the water that they were drinking was so full of minerals because it wasn't good the way it was coming down, right? So what happens is, guess what? That's a pretty rare thing, that purple sheep. You start selling that wool, you can get top dollar. People from everywhere now are coming to Laodicea and paying top dollar because I want some of that purple and black wool that the Laodiceans have. So now all of a sudden they become a wealthy town. And because they have so much wealth, they push God. We don't need God. Can I tell you, it's dangerous when you say in your life, I'm okay without God. You are not okay. You are not okay without God. Well, on certain days, you know, certain times, certain seasons I need God. You've heard me say this many times. Is God your steering wheel or your spare tire? Do we lean into God in emergency situations, right? When we really need something desperately? Or is God that steering wheel that we're needing him all day Every day. What do you depend on more than God? What is it in your life that you say, I can't live without? If that's not God, you need to carefully consider that today. In fact, that'd be a good thing to give up for seven days. To let God test the condition 
of your heart. That's what I love about a seven-day fast because God really measures my heart. God measures the condition of my heart. He wants to know how important he is compared to everything else in my life. So the worst thing is to not know the truth about yourself and to be blind. So then he says, I counsel you, watch this in verse 18, I counsel you to buy from, from who? From me. Jesus says, you got to buy this from me. Can I tell you what you need today? Some of you came in today in great need. What you need is in Jesus. You need hope? He is hope. You need strength? He is strength. You came in with anxiety and depression? He is joy. He is peace. He is victory. It's in him. You have to get it. I know you're trying to search every other place for it today, but the only place you're going to find what you're looking for is in Christ alone. He says, buy it from me. Hey, I think the cool thing is he'll let us buy it from him. He's like, I got it. Don't you wish you had it? No, he's like, here it is. Here it is. Gold refined by fire so that you may be rich. And they may think, wait a minute, Jesus, we're already rich. Wrong kind of rich. You understand that? Heavenly riches and earthly riches, not the same. Give me the heavenly riches all day long. You understand? I want to be rich in him. So Jesus is saying, buy this from me. Gold refined by fire. White garments so that you may be clothed yourself and the shame of your nakedness may be seen. And sap. Now here's a cool thing about Laodicea. There was a famous doctor there way back in the day that had developed the most powerful eye salve. If you had uh, eye issues or any kind of infection in your eye, they would all come to Laodicea to get this eye salve from this doctor. And so think about what he uses. Jesus is so awesome right here. He says, get from me gold, get from me white garments. You need to lay that purple stuff down and get some white. You hearing that? You want to get white garments from me so that you could clothe yourself. And then he says, and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. How many of you understand today that God offers more and better than what the world does? You've got to understand that and got to know that. That the devil and the world and culture and society is always offering you a cheap substitute. It's a cheap substitute. Boy, I, I'm going to tell a story on Kalina. She's not here. Most of you know my daughter. One day, long time ago, when she was a little girl, she said, Daddy, I want to earn some money. I want a baby doll. I said, okay, let's go to work. So she worked for a little bit. I gave her $1 for her hard work. And I said, there you go. She goes, let's go get a baby doll. Oh, Colleen, that's $1. Yeah, but I know they got baby dolls at the Dollar Tree. I'm going to go get me a Dollar Tree baby doll. Wouldn't you rather save those dollars? If you continue to work, you could have more than $1, these, these multiple dollars, and you can get a little higher quality baby doll for more than your $1. No, Daddy. Need that baby doll right now. So we're going to go right now. You've worked for a little bit. I'm giving you $1. You want to go buy a baby doll for $1 right now? Yes. I said, here we go. It's lesson time. So we get in the car, we go, this is, we go to the Dollar Tree. She buys a $1 Barbie doll. She was all about Barbie dolls. Oh, my Lord. But she bought the $1 Barbie doll. I don't know if you know this, but there's an expression that says you get what you pay for. And if you pay a dollar 
for a $1 Barbie doll, you get a $1 Barbie doll. And it wasn't, we were literally in the car on the way home when that baby doll's head popped off. I'm in the front seat laughing my head off. She's in the back seat crying her eyes out. My baby doll. We get home. We weren't gone. You know, and it was a five-minute drive from the Dollar Tree to the house, and it was over. Dad, can we go back? Do you have a dollar? Well, I don't have a dollar. I just spent my one dollar. Lesson learned. Amen. So the next time we saved up some money and got a little nicer quality. But can I tell you, I said all that to say this, that the enemy wants to sell you a cheap substitute. You think people on, that are addicted to substance are not being tricked and manipulated by the devil that this is somehow giving them something? And can I tell you, you are only satisfied in Christ. What you have inside of you is a vacuum space and the only thing that fits there is Jesus. And until you put Jesus in the center of your life, nothing will make sense. Life will be vain and frustrating and it'll be disappointing. And you, it's not until you come to the cross and say, I'm, I need you, Jesus. And you must be, we say this a lot around here, born again. I'm not talking about Jesus doesn't just clean you up. He makes you new. He regenerates. He makes you new. And so understand that what God is offering you to do. So look at these three things again. He says, replace your wealth, Laodiceans, with his. Replace your purple sheep for his white garments. Re re replace this famous salve for his. And I love this in verse 19. So, you know, this is one of those, this is the second of the, there's seven churches, two of them, Jesus doesn't say, hey, you're doing this good. Laodiceans, he just went right in. But then verse 19, he says, those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. In other words, hey, I know you're lukewarm. I know you're neither hot nor cold. I know you, I'm telling you right now, you make me sick. Jesus says to this church, you make me sick. I want to throw you up because if you're half-hearted, halfway in, halfway out, you just don't, you're not, you're not doing what I've asked you to do. But here's the good news is, he says, I love you. To those whom I love. Aren't you thankful today that God never stops loving us? Isn't that good news? Some of you today say, oh, but Pastor, you don't know what I've done. It doesn't matter what you've done. He still loves you. Nothing can separate you from the love of of God. So that's encouraging today. So no matter how horrible you think you've been, how lukewarm you've been, you've been walking with Christ forever. You've had one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom. And that's got to stop today. But he loves you. He loves you. Even today you're feeling convicted. Can I tell you conviction is love? That's what it is. Conviction is God telling you that he loves you and he wants to bring you back home. So then he says this. He says, be zealous and repent. I love verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. He gives you the opportunity to allow him to come close. You hearing that? Now, you know, this is Jesus, the Son of God. 
He can go in any door he wants to at any time. It's not a power thing. He is asking you to ask him to come in. You hearing that? He's not going to knock down the door of your life, but he's going to knock. He's just going to knock. He's just going to knock. And he says, "Who, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. So can I tell you, the opening the door, that's on you. That's on you. That's not on the person to your left. That's not on the person to your right. That's not on your parents. That's not on your children. Right? Anybody ever ring the doorbell? Nobody comes to houses anymore, like in person, randomly. But if anybody ever, everybody's looking at each other, like who's going to get it? Right? Everybody's kind of comfortable. All of a sudden, there's somebody selling windows at your front door. I don't know. And everybody's like, somebody's got to get up in. I'm telling you, you have a responsibility to open the door when Jesus knocks. Some of you hear him knocking right now. You hear him knocking right now. The question is, what will you do about it? Right? He wants to be close. In fact, he doesn't just want to come in. I love this. He wants to eat. In fact, the word right there, he wants to depnon. You know what depnon is? Depnon, back in this time, in this culture, you ate, I don't know how they survived. They ate one meal a day. One meal a day. But that one meal a day. Now, my wife will tell you this. My kids will tell you this. Some of you like to eat and run. I'm not a fan of that. I like to eat and hang out. Right? I like to eat, right? If you go to dinner with me, if you eat and then jump up and leave, I'm going to be hurt. I'm going to be like, we missed the best part of the meal. The best part of the meal isn't the food. The best part of the meal is hanging out with full bellies. Right? I'm full. I'm satisfied. That was yummy, literally sometimes, right? <laughs> yummy. And so I got a place. You got to come talk to me. I got a place. <laughs> I got a place. It starts with yummy. So it, 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 when, when, but the, my favorite part is just hanging out. That's what Depnon means. Jesus says, I want to come in with you and Depnon. In fact, it was the extended one meal of the day. It lasted a while. How many of you understand this today? Don't we do this? We just, in Jesus, out Jesus. In Jesus, out Jesus. Read that devotional. Get out of here. Got stuff to do, Jesus. Got to hurry up and get to church because now you're going to make me eat today and I got stuff to do. Thank God there's no church tonight because I got stuff I got to do. And Jesus, you only get so many hours a week and I got to go. 7 a.m., 7 p.m., are you kidding me? What kind of crazy Christian goes to church that many times in a week? What, they lost their mind? Right? Right? Hey, we ain't playing church around here. We're not, we're not pretending to be the first church of the blah, 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 boring. We're making war in the heavenlies is what we're doing. We're coming after the forces of darkness and we're gonna, and guess what? And Jesus says, I want a depnon. I'm asking you to consider today that you've not been depnoning. I don't even know, that's probably not even a word. I'm making stuff up at this point. Maybe, maybe you, you, need to, you need to depnon. Sometimes Clark Tucker would call me, and all I do is answer the phone, and this is what he says to me. Ritters, 
Is that not true? Sometimes I, I say hello. He goes, Ritters. Well, Clark, I mean, I like ice cream as much as anybody. My wife gets super excited when we say ice cream at our house, right? But I'm like, Clark, uh, you know, we got other stuff going on. Clark, he's not a planner. He wants Ritters. Ritters, right? Because he wants to depth on with the nannies. You understand? He wants to hang out. He wants to spend time with. Jesus wants to depth on with you. He wants to marinate with you. He wants to be with you. But we're so quick. Let me read that devotion. Let me get on my way. Let me hurry up and get to church. Let me get on my way. I know there's three services a week, but I'm weak. I'll come to one so Jesus won't be mad at me, and I'm going to go on with my week. And we're giving God the minimum. We're lukewarm. Lukewarm. And Jesus says, I can't take it no more. Can't have it no more. Need hot. Need cold. Need purpose. That water's got to have some purpose. It's got to be cold. It's got to be hot. I can't take the lukewarm stuff. You make me sick. That's strong language today. But he stands at the door and he knocks. Now, if it's me and you're making me sick, I'm walking away. If you make me sick, why would I want a depth nod with you? How much does he love us? How much does he love us that he still is always calling? He's all, even today, some of you are like, man, I'm, he's calling you. He's calling you to come and to dine. But then he says this, the one who conquers, verse 21, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne. Holy catfish. I will grant, are you kidding me? As I also conquered and sat down with my father, are you telling me I can conquer like Jesus? Yeah, but you gotta be hot. Lukewarm's not gonna conquer anything. You're not gonna conquer. And here's the thing. I think we're frustrated because we're not conquering, but if we're honest, we're lukewarm. See, you're frustrated because you're like, I'm not conquering. Why don't you turn up the heat a minute? Why don't you try to stop being lukewarm, to stop being casual, to stop playing the middle, to stop doing the minimum? Just how little can I get by with? Oh, God, forgive us. Forgive us. Did Jesus really die? So we'd be the, the minimal Christian. He wants us conquering. He wants us reigning. He wants us sitting on thrones with him. But it will not happen if, we're, if we don't answer the door and we're lukewarm. And I'm telling you, you can't get there. You can't get there without God. You can't get there without making a willful decision that I'm going to be intentional about. I refuse. Listen, I refuse to be lukewarm today. I, I refuse. I just renounce it. I will not be lukewarm. I will go hard for God. I will detonate. I will spend time with him. I will allow God to come in. I will open the door. I hear him knocking. Jesus, come in. Now, when Jesus comes in, he might want to rearrange the furniture. He's like, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. In my neighborhood, 
These random analogies come in, so you got to go with me. In my neighborhood, we have a lot of Sikh people. That's their religion, Sikh. They're from India. And for some reason, they love putting kitchens in their garages. Now, Jesus may come in and see the oven in the garage and say, mm, that's got to go. You understand? Some of you are scared to open the door for fear of what Jesus might do. Are you hearing that? Because Jesus wants to come in. But a lot of times, we, it's just easier and it's less responsibility if I just stay behind the closed door. I hear you knocking, Jesus, but, uh, well, number one, it's dirty back here. Right? Because none of y'all have ever not opened the door for somebody because you just weren't ready for company. Right? You're not ready for somebody to come in. And then especially Jesus coming in. That's way too much responsibility. I can't have Jesus coming in because Jesus is going to come in and tell me all these things. Hey, can I tell you, Jesus is coming in love. He's coming in love. And the best thing you could ever do is open yourself up and say, Jesus, what do I need to fix in my life? And open yourself up to that. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Thanks for listening to our podcast today. Faith Community Church is located at 6801 South East Street, Indianapolis, Indiana, 46227. We are on the south side of Indy on the corner of US 31 and Southport Road. For more information about our church, please go to www fccindianapolis.com. We worship Sunday mornings, 10 a.m., Sunday nights at 6 p.m., and midweek services as well. We have activities and studies for all ages. We have something for your entire family. Come be a part of our family. We would love to see you sometime. Have a blessed day, and always remember that Jesus changes everything.